Welcome to another episode today of The Central Word, a podcast ministry of Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. Today's episode is from the morning message of October 23rd, preached by Brother Brian Smith. We pray God's blessing on you as you listen to this message. Here now is Ryan Smith preaching from 1 Chronicles 29. here I'm thankful to be able to worship together you know it wasn't very long ago to where it was it was almost illegal if you all remember right that we couldn't come together and and though some churches had uh, a majority of our nation uh, wouldn't or couldn't and unfortunately uh, it's the same situation now because a lot of those that left during the time of COVID are for some reason they're still gone not really sure why But nonetheless, though, here we are, and we are worshiping together. Amen? Amen. I'd like to tell you a a story about two men crossing a river, and they were on an expedition. Now, this was was a long time ago before any of us were born, before our parents were born, before our grandparents were born, uh, pretty close to the birth of our nation, pretty close, a little bit afterwards. But there was an expedition that was, being, uh, that was being held, and a group of men had the task of having to cross a river. Now, this river wasn't a normal river. It wasn't like Turkey Creek, for those of you familiar with Turkey Creek. Uh, it wasn't like the Red River, uh, as dry as that is right now. It was a raging river, and people were being lost uh, from the waves of that river and the flow thereof. And So the men decided that they were going to go ahead and try and fight through it anyway, whether it be on horse or uh, they'd have to take their horse with them. However it may be, uh, they began this trek to go across. And and some men went over and some men were lost. And uh, there was a man that was there that was fearful of going over. And so he, he had a little boldness in him and he asked another man to carry him. Now, that's, a, that's quite a request for something like that. And so the man said, absolutely. And he got onto the horse and they both began the trek over the river. Now, this was an amazement to all the other men that were around, but no matter, uh, the two men made it across just fine. And after the, the rest of the party followed, they, they went to the man and, and they said, uh, Sir, of all the people you could ask, why would you ask the President of the United States to carry you? And he, he looked over and he said, Well, out of all of you, there's some that just had the face of no, and there's some that had the face of yes. And he had a yes face. Now, that president was Thomas Jefferson, for those of you that don't know the story. Uh, we need to have some yes faces. And not just yes faces, we need to have some yes attitudes as well. Uh, but there's some, there's some reasons why we may not have those attitudes. There's maybe some reasons why. And, and let me just say this. A yes face doesn't mean you have a smile on your face all the time. Okay? I would imagine President Thomas Jefferson didn't have a smile when this man asked him if he could carry him. Uh, I would imagine that we don't have a smile when, when uh, we're out in the field just, just tilling the ground. 
knowing that it has to be done, but we're doing it for somebody. We don't always have a smile on our faces. Uh, when a request is given uh, for maybe a church member to serve in a certain way, uh, that smile may be there at first. Oh, absolutely, amen, I'd love to serve, uh, but after it weighs tired on them, it's no longer I get to serve, I got to serve. And there's a difference, isn't it? There's a difference between having a yes face and a no face. There's a difference between having a good attitude about things and having a bad attitude about things. Um, we are all tried at times in our lives uh, to have a certain attitude. The Lord, as we're going to read uh, in today's scripture, uh, the Lord tries the heart of man. And when he tries the heart, it's not to tempt the man. It's not to necessarily hurt intentionally to, uh, to permanently disfigure by any means, but it's to help us grow. Uh, if you are able, uh, please stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to be in 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. If you're able to stand, please do so. If not, I completely understand. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, starting in verse 10, it says this. Wherefore, David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. And all that is in heaven and in earth is thine, and thine is the kingdom. O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from thee. Thou reignest over all. In thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Let us pray. Father God, Lord, we come to you. We want to thank you for your blessings. We want to thank you for the time you've allowed us to come here, God. We want to thank you so much for allowing us to worship you, not just in song, but giving us continuous opportunities to worship you in our lives, to give us opportunities to worship uh, together in our Sunday schools and in Bible study, Lord, to, to worship you in our fellowship, God, to worship you uh, in our own personal lives when no one else is watching. God, you allow us to worship you. You allow us to serve you. You allow us to give our offerings to you, God, Lord, we have no business doing so except by your authority and sovereignty alone. God, we ask your blessings upon our services today. May you get the honor and glory. I ask that you would soften our hearts. Lord, that you would uh, bring peace and silence upon our mouths in this time. That our ears can be quick to hear. And that we may be slow to speak. Lord, you want us to hear your word. God, I pray at this time that we're able to not only discern it, to interpret it, but to apply it into our lives. God, we love you. We ask your blessings upon us this day. May you get all the glory and all the honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before I continue, I'd like to give an open apology um, and, and, and there's good reasoning behind it. And my apology uh, goes to Miss Stephanie. And uh, uh, the reason why you guys don't have an outline in your, uh, in your bulletin is because of me. Uh, it happened last week and it happened this week. Um, 
but she has, uh, she has asked me, and I was very thankful that she has. Um, but quite honestly, there was just a lot of things that happened this week. So please don't get on to her. You can get on to me. As a matter of fact, I understand completely if you have someone else come in next week, okay? <laughs> now that we got that out of the way. Let me set the, let me give the setting where we're at at this moment. Where you're at right now is we're, we're at Central Baptist Church located in Texarkana, Arkansas. And, and what a blessing it is to be here. But uh, where we're at in the Bible, uh, David is an old man. He has already gone through so many things. And he is about ready to turn over his kingdom to, uh, to his son Solomon. Now, by the time we get to this point, Solomon has already been made king, but it wasn't done in the right way. The reason why Solomon had been made king uh, so early is so that David's son, Adonai, would not be able to take over that kingship. And so David went ahead and, 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 and he told the people that God had already chosen Solomon uh, to, to be the next reigning king. And so they went ahead and, and, and they anointed him. Um, and that happened in previous scriptures. But now we come to a time to where all the congregation of Israel are together. The princes and, and, and the governors are all together. You have all these people that are there. And David begins to make, uh, to, to make a prayer because they're at the point to where it's time for David to pass on. Uh, David knows that his time is coming short. David knows uh, when to give up. Uh, if you will, his his authority as far as as far as Israel's kingdom is concerned. And but before he does, he was he tasked himself to one thing, and one thing only. And if, and if you can remember what that is, you would agree with me. And that task is gathering up all the materials for the temple. That's what David wanted to do. Now, David was not tasked to building the temple. Uh, the, the Bible says that uh, God didn't choose him because he was a man of war. But uh, God did say, you're not going to build it, but your son will. And David says, well, I want to do the next best thing. I want to make sure that all the materials are, are there. I want to make sure that everything is taken care of where he doesn't even have to run to the store to get something. You ever had a guest over for dinner and you realize you've forgotten something? And you start running in your mind about how, how much time you have to run to the store without being rude and then come back and still try to prepare it. Sometimes it's just not worth it. Uh, David didn't want to do this for his son. He wanted to make sure that everything that was there was there. Uh, in previous scriptures, uh, at the beginning of 29, you'll see that he, he, he had made sure that the gold was going to be there for the golden things. The silver was going to be there for the silver things. The wood was going to be there for the wooden things. He wanted to make sure that everything was going to be there and it was going to be accounted for. He was, setting a, he was setting a foundation for his son. And now he has the entire congregation of Israel before him and, and, and it's time to make the announcement of this. But before he does, he does something that we all should do. He does something that we did this morning in Sunday school. He does something that, uh, that we did right before the worship service actually started. He prayed. But we find certain things in this prayer. Uh, uh, when we look at this prayer, there, there's three parts to it. There's, there's praise, and then there's position, and then there's, there's purpose in his prayer. And these three things, now, now, for those of you that are keeping notes, those aren't my points, okay? 
Um, but for those that are uh, those that are interested in this praise, of course, it's always good to praise God. Amen. Uh, if you have a prayer that you need to pray and you don't praise God for it, um, there's a problem. If you're bold enough to ask the King of all kings, the Lord of lords, the Creator of this world, for something, it might be good to sweet talk him a little bit. Amen. There's a reason why an apple is so popular with teachers. Those of you teachers not not understanding that, you need some better students. Um, When it comes down to what David does, he wants to make sure that everyone knows who God is. Uh, Anybody remember Sesame Street? Just a show of hands. I just need to see some active. Yeah, here we go. Show of hands. Sesame Street, right? Okay. Uh, what, What was real big on Sesame Street? You know what I was really excited about? The word of the day. You remember this? The word of the day was brought to you by so. Everybody remember that? I've got a word of the day for you. Recognize. Recognize. And the definition, I I would like to read it uh, verbatim here because I think the way that it's worded states perfectly uh, for this time, this moment, uh, for you, uh, but even more so for me. I'm letting you in a little bit into my personal life, and I'm just going to let you all know I'm not the perfect Christian. I'm going to let you know that I struggle. I'm going to let you know that I fail many times. Um, you know, what, what's the one thing you want to bring to church when you come to church? Your Bible, right? I forgot my Bible this morning. My wife was gracious enough to go and get it. And so I make mistakes as well. Uh, that being said, here's the definition of the word recognize. To identify someone or something from having an encounter with them before. Let me repeat that. To recognize is to identify someone or something having an, from having an encounter with them before. David's prayer consists of recognizing a few things. And he starts off in verse 10, or in verse 11, says this, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty for all that is in heaven and earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom. O Lord, thou art exalted, head above all. David wanted to recognize certain things about the Lord. But I ask you today, do you recognize the Lord? Do you recognize who he is? For those that have been in Israel by this time, surely they know who the Lord is. Uh, As a matter of fact, they've seen more active things physically with their own eyes uh, than quite possibly we have in a sense of uh, God being physically active with the people. Now, he's physically active with us, but we see it in a different way. Uh, We see things in a different way. We read things in a different way. So when it comes down to how these people respond, I promise you they know who God is because they have seen the things that God has done. David knows who God is because God has spoken to David. Uh, God has had uh, people come in and speak with David concerning his own sin. Uh, They know who the Lord is. They recognize who God is. My question to you is, do you recognize the Lord? And here's why I ask that. 
Because from the time that you met the Lord, from the time that you accepted the Lord, from the time that you began serving the Lord, some of us can say years. Uh, Some of us can say decades. Others can say months. Perhaps some of us can say weeks. But my question to you is, has the relationship changed? Now, let's just, let, let, let me just bring the cat out of the bag. Um, God doesn't change. He doesn't. As a matter of fact, there's only a few times in the Bible where you'll actually see God change his mind. But when it comes down to God's character, when it comes down to, to, to his authority, when it comes down to his will, uh, God doesn't change at all. We change. So my question to you today is, is have you changed? Where's your relationship with him? Uh, I'm sure you've heard the story of, of the older man and the older woman who they, they had a pickup truck. And it was, it was, man, you remember those pickup trucks that just had the one seat? And if you're not wearing your seatbelt, you turn too hard, you land over on the driver? Come on, people, yes. Okay. As the years went on, she sat more to the window and, and all of that. And, and finally, she asked, she asked her husband, honey, how come we don't sit together? And he said, I'm the driver. I, I never move. Uh, it's that simple. Uh, he sent his son Jesus down to die on the cross. And, and, and through Jesus, we know so much more about our faith. Through Jesus, we know that we are saved by grace. Through Jesus, we know of the importance of blood. Through Jesus, we know all of these things. But yet, when we first accepted Christ, we had this beautiful, wonderful, and, and, and this is going to sound really weird when I say this, we had a beautiful, wonderful burden. Some of y'all might think I was going to say joy. Joy does come with it. But what's the first thing you want to do after you get saved? You want to tell people. Amen? You want to tell everybody that you possibly can. You want to let people know that that you were once lost, but now you are found. You want people to know all of these things that have happened in your life. And and sometimes it's embarrassing. Other times it's not. In order to tell people uh, that Jesus saved you from your sins, there's sometimes you've got to tell what your sins are. Amen? Now, some of us don't want to tell what our sins are, and that's okay. But maybe everything that you've gone through in your life was so people can realize that, man, if God can save that person, maybe God can save me. Do you recognize who God is from a time before that you have met him? when you remembered his power, when you remembered his grace, when you remembered his mercy and how he told you that he would never leave you, he would never forsake you. Do you remember the words that you read when you first got saved? Do you remember the excitement in your heart? Do you remember that that moment when when your stomach dropped and you realized that you were destined for hell and you were fearful? Do you remember the moment that you realized that, that God sent Jesus to die on the cross For our sins. Not our sins, but for your sins. Your individual. He died for Ryan Matthew Lee Smith because Ryan Matthew Lee Smith has sinned before. Ryan Matthew Lee Smith has been a thief. He has been an adulterer. He has been whatever your sin may be. Now, now don't count all that for me personally, okay? (laughs) I get excited and I just start yelling out things, okay? But look at David. You look at David. David David sits here and he explains who God is. And so if you don't know who God is, let me just be very brief 
to tell you the longest story in the world because it's going to continuously go and go and go. God is the one that created the earth. And if you don't know how big God is, let me put it to you like this. When God said, let there be light, there was light. There wasn't a plug-in. The very moisture of his breath that came out created the seas. The breath that came from inside him came into a ball of dirt, if you will. And it gave us life. So when you breathe and you exhale, you have been given permission to breathe. You have been given permission to exhale. You have been given grace that allows you to live day after day after day, knowing that you are still a sinner. And let me just tell you this. Just because you're saved doesn't mean that you don't sin. Can we all agree on that? As a matter of fact, I'll tell you, I did some of my best sin. Mm. My wife, side note, my wife, she has this thing. She calls it a slap list. And uh, there are certain things that she thinks that, uh, and, and it may or may not be true, uh, but there are certain things that I have said from the pulpit that she's going to say, yeah, God's going to slap you for that one. You, you're, you'll get punishment, but there's a special thing set aside. Um, nonetheless, though, there are certain sins that we enjoy doing. Amen. We don't want to amen it very loud, but we do. Let me tell you God's great design for us since we're on how wonderful God is. God is the one, as I spoke last week, about how he tells the ocean to stop. He tells the mountains how high. He tells the animals what to do. He does all of these things. Amen? When he created us, listen, there are some animals that I really have no understanding why they were even created to begin with, okay? I don't understand why, why Adam named certain animals the way that, it, listen, um, a prairie dog isn't a dog. Can we agree? All right, there's all these things that we don't understand, but here's one thing that I'm thankful that I do understand. When God created you, he didn't create you with a billboard that come up behind you and showed every thought that you have in your mind. Isn't that a blessing? So when you're giving that fake smile to someone and you're shaking their hand and you've got something completely different on your mind, they're not looking at that and reading that saying, this guy thinks I'm an idiot. Now, we can read it on their face sometimes. I've shaken a lot of people's hands who have thought that, and I'm not saying they're accurate or not. But nonetheless, God created us in a way that is magnificent, and when he breathed the breath of life in us, he gave us life. He gave us grace. He gave us mercy. And you might think, well, no, not right at the beginning. Yes, right at the beginning. It started there. That's who God is. And when you first met him, did you comprehend all of that? Did you understand all of that? Now, this is just the first point, but I'm just trying to get us to understand who God is. Are we good? So we need to recognize who God is. And we see that in his verses. Not only does he say who God is, in verse 12 it says, Both riches and honor come from thee, thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is the power and the might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength 
unto all. Everything that happens in our life happens for a reason. It happens for a purpose. Now, I am not a karma person and nor should you be, but what I'm saying is, is everything that does happen in our life, everything that enters into our life, God allows it to happen. Now, I'm not saying God is a bad guy by any means. What I'm saying is God is so powerful that he can make that bad situation become a teachable moment. The problem is, is we miss the moment. We hang on to that negativity. We hang on to that, to that badness. We hang on to all of those things, and we just allow it to weigh us down when realistically this isn't a millstone that God, that, that, that God wants us to hang around our neck and just walk out into the pond. This is a stepping stone that he wants us to let go of and take a step on and then ultimately over. But we don't do that when it comes down to bad situations. And it says here that God is the owner of all things, heaven and earth. So now that we've got who God is down, now that we recognize who God is, we recognize who his son is, uh, let me ask you, uh, do you recognize who you are? Do you recognize who you are? Of course, you, you guys know where I'm going with it. Uh, we're all sinners. We've all come short of the glory of God. It's just that simple. There's no argument there whatsoever. Now, if you want to argue when the last time you sinned was, uh, listen, that's, that's not really a debatable argument. It's not a race. And if we made it a race, that would be, um, just don't do that. Let's not brag on our sins, except when we are exalting Christ. Recognize who you are. Let me tell you who I am. I'm a sinner. And I sin daily. I'm not happy about it. I'm shameful. There's sins, uh, as Paul says, there's things that I do that I don't know why I do it, but I still do it. I don't want to do it, but I still do it. Uh, there's things that I'm ashamed of that I shouldn't be doing, and I don't know why I want to, but I still do it. Uh, do we all fall underneath that category? Absolutely. Not even giving you a chance to answer because it is the truth. David here, in the next part of this prayer, he starts the section off with questions. With questions. Here's one. At the let me let me do 13 and then I'll jump into 14. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Verse 14 starts off with a question, but but who am I? But who am I? I struggled to say this. And the reason why I struggle to say this is because uh, it's something that you really don't, you feel uncomfortable saying. But I need to say it. Nobody here is special. Nobody here is the cornerstone of this church. Nobody here has more authority in this church than, than anybody else because ultimately if... Um, when it comes down to the church, if nobody's here, then ultimately there's no church. Church is a local body of believers, amen? Now, let me ask you this. This sanctuary here, as beautiful as it is, um, does it really make a difference when it comes down to the church? I remember when, when, when the church had flooded and, and all of a sudden the congregation met in, in the gym. Is that correct? It didn't matter where you guys met. You guys were still a church. But if there's nobody here, then obviously you're not a local fellowship body of believers. If there's nobody that you fellowship with, and people begin to leave and people begin to do all of these things, um, you, you're not special. 
Nobody's here is special. I'm not special. I'm not even a member of your church. But I'm telling you that nobody here is special. Nobody here is the cornerstone. Now, it would be devastating for certain ones to pass away. It would be devastating not to see certain faces here any longer. And, and, and I say that not because it's this church, but I'm talking about any church. I would, I would say this for any church. It would be devastating uh, to, be, to, to be in service and, and look over at that empty chair and realize that it's not there. Uh, I, I dread to think of the reasonings be, behind why a person wouldn't be there. But nonetheless, uh, you have to understand you're not special. Your friends aren't special. The only one that we should be exalting here in church is Jesus Christ. You think you're special. You're not. Nobody is. Recognize who you are. The Bible says that that even our filthy, even our good acts is an extension of, of our filthiness. It's an extension of. And so David, he comes here and he says, but who am I? And then he turns around and he says, and what is my people? So not just individual sin, not just sin together, because whether you like it or not, if you claim to be a church, then as a church, you have failed on certain things. That's just the way things are. And and it may be things that have been failed intentionally, or it may have been things that you have failed uh, uh, non-intentionally, not even knowing about, but nonetheless, we have all failed as a church. We all have. My church has failed at being a church at times. My church has failed at fellowshipping at times. My church has failed at at building people up. This church has failed at building people up. The church down the road has failed at building people up. And, And listen, I haven't even started on the other denominations. Can we agree? We have failed as a local body of believers. And so David here, he's talking with his own people, uh, and, and he's praying this about his own people. But who am I? And what is, and what is my people that... And, and, and here's the kicker. Are you ready? He says, but who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to enter so willingly? Offer so... Int- I'm sorry. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee. And thine own have we given thee. Every single thing that these people offered for the temple in this day was already God's. Every bit of money that you have in your account is already God's. Everything that you plan on putting into the offering plate is already God's. What do you give to someone that has everything? What do you? Well, if you had a best friend or a family member that was a billionaire, uh, what could you possibly give them that they probably already own? What can we give God that He doesn't own? Now you might think, no, God owns everything. This one's tough. God doesn't own everything. God gives us free will to where we choose to love him or we choose to reject him. Do you understand? God doesn't own your love because he has given it to you to decide. He has given you the choice to decide whether to love on him or whether not to love on him. And so therefore, um, the only time he owns our love 
is when we freely give it to him. Does that make sense? And you might think, no, Brother Ron, you are, uh, you're backpedaling here. No, I'm not. You have the option whether you want to go to heaven or hell. You have the option to talk to somebody else about going to heaven or hell. You have the option to freely love God with, with a freedom that you've never experienced possible. My question to you is, when was the last time you've given God your all in worship? Your all in offering? And I'm not talking about money, finances. I'm not talking anything like that. When was the last time you gave with a pure heart? Uh, we see here that, that we recognize who God is. We recognize who we are. But then uh, if we recognize who God is and we recognize who we are, and we recognize that even though God created us, now we have to recognize that God also gave us a purpose. And I'm closing with this. David, he stands before the congregation, and in his prayer, he continues on to talk about, to talk about what they're offering and what they're giving. Uh, in, the next, in the next verse, it, it really should set home where he says, For we are strangers before thee, and sojourners... As were all our fathers, our days on earth are as a shadow. There is none abiding. O Lord, all this store that we have prepared to build thee, a house for thine holy name, cometh of thine hand and is all thine own. And after he begins speaking of that, I'd like us just to skip down very quickly. And as I said, we, we are closing. <clears throat> but this is where our purpose lies. It says this. Verse, I'm sorry, I said verse 19. Go to verse 18. O Lord of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people and prepare their hearts unto thee. Our purpose is to prepare the hearts for those that come next. When you plant a tree, are you planting it for yourself? No, normally we plant, we plant trees so others can sit in the shade. God wants us to have a relationship with him. Knowing we're not worthy sets a standard when, when Jesus died on the cross for us. Our sins say we are not worthy. Our lives, our very nature says we are not worthy of God's love. But when Jesus thought it not robbery to come down, and die on the cross for our sins, he made it possible. He says, you may think nothing of yourself, but I think you're my child. I know you're my child. You may, th you may have low self-esteem, but I consider you an heir to the kingdom. I made it possible. I love you. And if it took more than just one sacrifice of my son, I would do it again and again and again. That very, that very moment we need to recognize that if God says that we're worthy, regardless of what we believe in ourselves, that means we're worthy. And that means the prostitute down the road is worthy. That means the drug dealer down the road is worthy. That means those, those that God created are worthy. And shame on us for not going out 
and telling them that they're worthy. Shame on us for restricting the gospel. Shame on us for for the sins that we have done because uh, your, your personal sin might not be the direct correlation to why this person didn't receive the gospel, but I promise you, uh, as one sin builds up to another sin builds up to another sin builds up, uh, your fear becomes comfort and you don't go out because you are comfortable. And so here's our purpose of the church, and it's the same purpose uh, that, that, that King David had spoken for his son Solomon. He prays for his son. And and likewise, we should pray for our sons and daughters. And we're closing. It says this, And give unto Solomon, my son, a perfect heart to keep thy commandments, thy testimonies and thy statutes, and to all these things, and to build up a palace for which I have made provision. And David said unto all the congregation, Now bless the Lord your God. He first speaks to the entire congregation and and he says, prepare their hearts. And then he goes into a personal, a personal prayer. And he says, prepare my son. Y'all, if we don't have the purpose in our minds to prepare our young ones, then this church is dead. If we don't have a purpose to build up one another, then our church is dead. As we stand and our musicians come, I ask you today, what is your purpose? What do you think God has for you today? What is the purpose of this church? What was it three years ago? And is it the same today? What was your purpose when God first uh, accepted that prayer that you had prayed to him, begging for salvation, begging for mercy, uh, begging? Thank you again for joining us for this episode of the Central Word Podcast. We pray and we desire that this um, this message would build you up in your faith as you walk daily with Christ. Thank you again to Brother Ryan Smith for preaching for us for the last two weeks. We look forward to next Sunday in our worship of Almighty God. Y'all have a great week. Thank you.